having to tell people no. Yeah. And so the question, the question of how you do that is interesting. You and I were talking about this topic uh, yeah. last week sometime, and you mentioned that um, there will be an expl- just an astonishing number of people who want to go to memorial services yeah. once the sort of lockdown is lifted because you can't get there. So so lots of people have been buried or cremated without there being an actual funeral. And so a ton of people are going to want time off as soon as the ban is lifted and as soon as you can get to the memorial service. Yeah, so, no, it's, I've, I've got two deferred uh, um, funerals, if you want to call them that, right, or memorial services that I've already um, know that I will, will want to go to because there were people who passed who were very important in my life. So, yeah, those, those deferred bereavement do your bereavement, you know, policies match that, right? Um, do, do they allow for that kind of, of, of extended timeline? Same way we talked about child care or other things, right? So, you know, um, if, you, if you, you know, have someone who's in the hospital and you can't go visit them, but they're, you know, is there still allotments for, for people in your family who, who need care, who maybe are in an extended situation? So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of areas where I think there's more questions, like you said, than there's answers, right? Yeah, and, and so some of the other topics in the series, we have one coming out on Monday called uh, Hiring Einstein, which is about neurodiversity hiring um, in a labor surplus um, and this week's one is called MVPs, and it's about rethinking who's really important in the organization. Maybe it's not the leadership that's the most important end of the business. Uh, and so it's it's a it's a great thing. We have the I believe we're going to have the head of the human capital uh, school at NYU doing one of them. Uh, it's a it's a it's an extraordinary little project. And the idea again is that having useful thinking right now and useful problem identification is more important than having big picture answers to things. Right. And so, so for my money, the way you put together the next um, iteration of the work world is more like building a mosaic um, rather than issuing a paint-by-numbers thing that people could fill in. Well, I think that's going to be an interesting way of looking at the world, which is that, you know, the the idea that that what we're heading into will be a different approach to work. Not just a di- not just different work, right? Like th- there will be, but but a different way in which you have to think about how people work in your organization, right? And and I think this is is exemplified by what's happening with the the plans in various regions and in various you know um, states and even countries, which is how some countries are opening back up with very extended, you know. Um, regulations around what every um, organization has to do with their employees, what kind of protection they have to have, what kind of distance they have to have, how the organization has to handle cleaning, 
where in other places, here in the States in particular, they're sort of saying, here's some guidelines. Here's how you kind of should, you know, open up. Um, and those differences in how we think about how we have to sort of just prepare the work environment for opening back up again, I think are, are going to be just an example of the idea of how we're going to have to change work itself, right? Right, right. And I think I think this extends, we'll just sort of move to 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 the new stuff. This extends to the territory that used to be called um, employee experience. Mm -hmm. um, and um, when employee experience was gathering momentum, the the core notion was employee experience of people who work in office buildings and cubes and that sort of stuff. Um, and now the employee experience is more like, um, how does it feel to be in the tug between your personal life and your work life, right? That's the heart of today's employee experience. And it is not, something that the the company can control easily right? and so the and, idea, and, the idea, go ahead oh no i was just gonna say and, and you're referencing some of the language that we heard this week come from the sap success factors analyst event that they did um earlier yesterday um where they're talking about their human experience management as their big messaging for the new application and so you're saying that we're gonna have to rethink the idea of the experience is what is what you're here believing right uh, yeah, yeah, because 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 this is not stuff that's within the control or understanding of the organization. It it uh, one of the things that we're learning is that is that the people who come to work for us um, are highly motivated and influenced by things that are beyond our control, um, and so so the idea that you can provide an experience without deeply accounting for the capacities and motivations of the employees and the context in which they're working, that's silliness, right? And um, it's a silliness. And um, it's, it's sort of a last gasp of the old way of thinking about work, the idea that, that somehow the right thing to do is to create a human experience platform. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, I get your sentiment, and I understand. I mean, I mean, we saw. I think you know, just sort of to give everybody an update on on what you know. So this week, there are some things in the news. Uh, one of them was the SAP Success Factors um, analyst update. Um, Amy Wilson, who's the Senior VP of Product Design, and David Ludlow, uh, VP of Product Strategy, and Meg Baer, Senior VP of Product and Engineering and Operations, all three of them sort of were there on the call. Amy delivered most of the messaging. Um, and it was very much, I think, you know, and SAP's definitely been known for this, it, on point with where SAP was at um, before the COVID crisis, right? I think, you know, they're, they're continuing to push through, I think, the messaging that they are, um, creating a technology that is highly integrated um, with um, the tools that they've all sort of brought together um, that is focused on a good user experience from their perspective, right? And that, and that the human experience management includes workflows, process management, the user experience, as well as 
data and analysis. And so um, I do think they're taking into consideration some of what you're talking about. I just think it's really hard in this space to um, accommodate what, what, I, what, what I think you're talking about, which is that space in between work and home in an environment that is purely just for the most part on your screen, right? Well, so 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 there's a couple of things. Um, the, I I have an in basket full of people who had some evolving process um, in their development cycles, who are just pretending that the sky isn't falling and moving their ideas from 2019 into 2020 and. I understand that this is a very difficult time and that you need to keep people working and that you need to, um, you need to swim towards some goal, but, but the stuff is looking sillier and sillier to me as people flesh out ideas that are old, you know, and that's, that's to go back to the small scenarios uh, project that we're doing it's a response to, you know, there's a lot of people claiming to be experts about all sorts of crap right now. And um, almost always the people who are claiming to be experts about all sorts of crap have just tidied up the, the paperwork around their old ideas. <laughs> so it's like magic. I've got the solution to COVID-19 and it turns out to be the same old crap they've been selling for a thousand years. Um <laughs> And, and and no no this isn't this time isn't like that this time isn't like that and so so the the time to sit down and look and go are we really serious about this stuff because if you're going to call it human experience management and then you're going to say except it only really applies to what's on the screen <laughs> well then it's just user interface design and and you're trying to coin a um, press release worthy concept to differentiate yourself without paying any attention to what the words you are using mean. Um. Yeah, it, I, I, I get where you're coming. I mean, I think, you know, on, on some level, SAP and success factors, my bet is, and, and they almost were in a position where they needed to take a step back anyways and do a little cleanup work, right? Um, so right. a lot of what they announced this week was, things like their their learning platform finally has their, the new user interface, right? That was one of the last holdouts um, in the old Plateau prep platform and no more Flash, right? Which was a, a big deal and probably they've been trying to get rid of for ages, right? But they've included now high volume recruiting tools and evergreen requisitions, which are pretty standard for a lot of the existing um, applicant tracking systems and uh, recruiting tools. And so just rolling out, I think some of the things that um, team absence calendars with buy sell time off options and flex time options, all really important elements of a good HRMS or good workforce management or good recruiting tool. So my sense is I think SAP just took the opportunity during this time to just sort of continue on fixing the things that need to be fixed because what, I think what you're talking about is a really hard thing to get to unless you have tools and data that can do a better job of really 
individualizing the conversation with the employee. And one of the things that one of the last things they mentioned in their update is that they are focusing now on a master data model. Um, we're basically that master um, data model, which will be a workforce master data model, cost center data model, and a couple of other financial ones, will be across the entire SAP platform. That's huge for them, and it's, it's a difficult thing that they've been challenged with because they have so many different applications they've brought together, Vultures being the newest. And you can't get, I think, to what you're talking about without some sort of a single data model that gives you a sense of, of what an employee really is and what they're challenged with in a work environment and provides all the security so that it doesn't, it helps them, but it doesn't provide um, an intrusion in their life if you're giving them guidance and tools and a user experience. Does that well, make sense well, though? I mean, uh, to me, I think it's a step sure, forward. Sure, 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 yeah. sure. You have to have the right pieces to do the thing that I'm talking about. But but th this really interesting question gets raised about Qualtrics in particular. Um, and that is, that is, how much can you trust um, self-reported data in today's environment? You know, we're going to see, uh, I think, I think the, the unemployment numbers are 30 million people on unemployment since mid-March. And so that means that the, that the end of April unemployment figure is over 20%. And, and when the unemployment figure is over 20%, everybody is anxious about their job. And when everybody is anxious about their job and the, the power balance has shifted. So, you know, six weeks ago, if you were an employee, you had all sorts of leverage. And now if you're an employee, you're just hoping your, your uh, income isn't compromised. Um, the meaning of your responses to surveys is going to change, yeah. right? And so, and so, so the whole idea about Qualtrics being embedded in stuff is that there's some level of assumption that employees are going to tell you the truth when you ask them when you ask them things about their work environment. And if if you are just happy to have a job. <laughs> your answers are going to be different than than if your company is trying to figure out what they need to do to continuously recruit you. Yeah. Uh, right. Right. And so and so the whole premise here, which is that that the foundational element is asking people questions, um, probably is a 2019 um, view of the world. Um, and and may not be so useful going forward. So so it's that it's it's that it's that thing. And I and I recognize that there's uh, again in the small scenarios project the basic thing that we recognize is that you can't have a big picture. And so maybe my maybe my critique here is as simple as pretending to have a big picture when there's none to be had. Um, hides the fact that you've done great work making the thing more contemporary. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting way. Uh, look, I mean, I mean, I, I the 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 idea that you know the the big picture actually overshadows sometimes the real work that you've done. I think we often do this in the HR tech space, right? We we try and put such a glossy picture on top of it to make it more of a of a 
a palatable story, right? When sometimes just the fundamental thing of being able to have evergreen, you know, job requisitions is huge for a company, right? Especially in an environment like Walmart or an environment like other large global uh, manufacturing organizations right now who are hiring people at a pace that you that you can't possibly, you know, um, keep up with. Um, that kind of little change makes all the difference in the world, right? Yeah, so so maybe another way of saying this is is the employee experience is an extraordinary big and important arena. HR's contribution to the employee experience is minor. And the best HR employee experience that you can offer is an HR process that's so good that people don't ever have to be in touch with it. It just takes care of itself. Uh, right? Um, and, and then they can get on to the real questions, which have to do with the work that they're doing and the people that they're working with, rather than uh, job requisitions and timesheets and benefits yeah. administration. Right, but because HR is not fundamentally very important in the in the human experience process. And and I would say that SAP is trying to work towards that. Success success factors, particularly. I mean, one of the things that's in their purview is the idea of these that I don't know what they're calling them anymore, but these sort of process and workflow um, pre-built tools that basically, if you call off sick or if you're out of the office for a minute time, all of your workflow automatically just gets flowed to someone else. You don't have to take an action to do it. And I think the same thing with this evergreen requisition conversation or anything else, where, where the thing, like you said, you don't have to touch it if it's just intelligent to know that this is what should happen. And so, but those are hard things to bring out and to get people excited about when you're talking about new technology, right? The fact that you do, you may make fewer people touch your system, right? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you, 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 you know, I, I, you keep saying this is so hard to do, but geez, these are this these are huge companies that are supposed to be able to do hard stuff. You know, this is not, this is not a startup. <laughs> All right, touche. I'll take that. <laughs> we, we do have some startups. We definitely have some startups to talk about. Actually, what's sort of interesting, they're still, I'm surprised that with all of the challenges we're seeing in this sort of work environment conversation, definitely in small businesses, um, we saw this week um, a couple of places where there's been some big investments in the SMB HR space, right? One is a $16 million investment in a, in a Barcelona company called Factorial. Um, basically just an all-in-one HR automation platform. Um, we also saw organizations like Bamboo HR continuing to increase their executive level investment by appointing um, new heads of marketing, uh, Amy Frampton, who seems to have um, comes from a great background of different technologies like Vulcan and Smartsheets and Microsoft, um, it, these small SMB-based HR organizations, right, um, in the midst of an environment where the SMB market is being hit so hard right now with, with um, the closing of businesses, it, does it surprise you? Because, you know, you just said it's hard, you know, 
the big companies should be fixing some of this, that we're seeing more investments in these SMB-based HR platforms right now in the middle of all of this. Well, the small to medium business market is where all of the blue ocean is. It's, it's, there, are, there are accounts in the SMB sector that have never had HR technology in them. And so everybody is aiming at the SMB sector from, from workday to these small startups that we're seeing getting funded because that's where the growth is. Now, some of, some of this thinking, again, predates um, um, the crisis that we're in, and um, it's, it's very clear that the price for venture investment is much higher than it used to be, and so, so it would be good to have better detail. What, what you really want to know is how much of the company equity did they have to sell to get this money? Um, that's yeah, where that's yeah. that's where the difference is, right? So 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 you can raise a lot of money, but the requirement for equity in exchange for the the lot of money is where the real question is, uh, and that is that isn't ever addressed in the press releases that we see. Yeah, yeah we also are continuing to see you know the vendors. Um, Ultimates and Kronos, as well as ADP and others, um, continuing to sort of give some insight into the work that they're doing to help support their customers. All good stuff. But, but what I was intrigued about this year is, or this week, is that we're also starting to see some of the vendors talk about the tools they're using or the tools they're providing to help organizations reopen the workplace. Um, and this is a controversial topic. It's a thing that you and I have talked about, you know, offline and online. Um, but when you are in an environment like we are right now where reopening could mean that you are putting someone at risk, um, your employees, right, at risk um, of contracting something like COVID-19. Um, and in certain uh, areas, we know that governors are even requiring that um, if people are called back to work, that they must go back to work even if they're at a health risk or lose their unemployment status. What do you think about this, the, the conversation about how we're going to have to reopen these organizations? And do you think something like, you know, toolkits from the conference board are going to be helpful in helping organizations do that? That's a tough question, right? Because the, the, the reality is we don't know what's going on. The reality is that we don't know what's going on, and there's every reason to believe that what happens when you reopen the workplace is you generate the next wave, and pretty much all the experts say the next wave is going to make this wave look like nothing, right? That, that, that what we're going to see as the result of bringing people back together is a huge spike in cases of deaths. And so I, I don't know if you've seen the stuff about the sawtooth um, uh, epidemic where you open the doors, everybody gets exposed, the sickness, the sickness grows, everything shuts down, the sickness declines, the doors get open, everybody gets sick, you know, and, and so the graph, of, the graph of death looks like a sawtooth. Um, and... 
you know, jeez, oh, you can't just let the economy rot. You can't. You yeah. can't just let the economy rot. But but I'm going to say that the people who go back to work under sort of government orders um, are doing pretty heroic stuff, and it's got to be super frightening. And the reason that the governments are making the orders is to relieve the business owners of liability. And so they're encouraging irresponsible decision-making on behalf of business owners. If the business owners were responsible for the liability associated with, for instance, bringing customers into your restaurant, um, it, it, you know, if it was like any other health department matter where if somebody gets sick from being in your restaurant, they're entitled to sue you. Uh, when the governor says you have to reopen the restaurant and um, and then people come, you're off the hook. Yeah, you're off the hook, and 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 the government, you can't sue the government for this sort of stuff, and so I think the, I think I think I think the idea that what we need to do is send a bunch of people out to the front lines with the virus without preparation, just because some governor wants better stats, um, that's pretty frightening stuff. It's really frightening, and 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 in all honesty, HR is in the middle of this, right? I mean, it it it, um, you know, when I was listening to a couple of the stories um, of these meat packing plants and um, you know some of the the, the food preparation plants um, in the Midwest who are who are dealing with you know hundreds of of people you know sort of testing positive, one of the things that kept coming up over and over again was OSHA regulations, OSHA requirements. I, I just kept running through my mind all the time that HR is held accountable to OSHA regulations and requirements, right? And what they are or are not requiring in this particular case. And because the CDC is being a little more wishy-washy about what's required, the, the companies can be a little less, you know, compliant, you know, everybody's level of responsibility lowers. But as an HR professional, you're still the person who's saying, putting the email out that says everybody has to come in, right? Um, and that's that's got to be difficult as well, right? That 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 means that you're the the last line, right, on some level. Um, and and this is a point where I think we haven't even begun to think about the impact that we're going to see in in both in the front lines and in areas where people are being asked to do things that they just don't agree with in this particular case, right? Because they know that that people are going to get hurt because of it, right? Right, and and there are there are a lot of things that really need to be sorted out. I'm, I'm noticing that that companies are that some of the big enterprise companies are delivering contract contact tracing tools, and mm-hmm. um, it's going to surprise me if those things are allowable under the Americans with Disabilities Act, um, and. And the Americans with Disabilities Act is a super important piece of legislation that prohibits discrimination based on um, physical infirmments, right? Um, um, And and mental mental problems. And and so, so running roughshod over that legislation because we're scared and we're in a hurry to get things back to normal 
seems like the beginning of real problems to me. Well, and, and a lot of times that kind of stuff doesn't come to fruition until we get a, a, a case that runs through, right, the, the courts. That's how most of our regulations get sort of developed over time, in the at least in the U.S. market, um, even internationally on some level. So I think I agree. I think I think there's going to be a level of let's try it and see how far we can get, and then let's see what regulations will come out of, of someone pushing back, right? Um, but we're seeing that on the flip side as well, that there are people who are now – you know, basically saying, you know, do you have the right to tell me to shut things down? And they're, they're putting that through the courts right now. Um, so, yeah, I think both the HR tech companies and the HR professionals are in the middle of this mix in a way that they may not want to be, but they have to be because they are the tool that generally and the, and the department that generally is handling these conversations, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's, it's a tricky time, and and there, there has never been a time where having a good ethics process inside of the HR department has been more important. Uh, yeah. It's, it's going to be easy to hurry up to get things open with without paying close enough attention to the consequences of the decisions. And um, um, the essence of good management and good leadership is to pay attention to the consequences of your decisions. So we'll see how people do with this new stress. Yeah, and I think we, we've ended where we started the conversation, which is good questions are the most important thing right now, right? <laughs> so, absolutely. That's, absolutely. Yeah. So, so thanks for doing this, Stacey, and thanks, everybody, for listening in. Um, you've been listening to HR Tech Weekly with Stacey Harris and John Sulcher. We'll see you back here next week. Bye-bye now. Thanks, everyone. Bye.